Welcome to the Buncombe Street United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Chris Ashley. I'm the director of congregational engagement here at our church and the host of this podcast each and every week. If you're joining us for the first time, we are in week three of our new Beatitudes series, where we're walking verse by verse through the very first part of Jesus's most famous sermon and perhaps the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. But the Beatitudes are a little section that is found in Matthew 5 verses 2 to 12. So we start off each of these episodes by reading that passage. And it reads like this, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we have talked over the first couple of weeks about the Beatitudes and about how this start to this sermon is really Jesus' effort to describe the ideal characteristics of a disciple, right? We talk about uh, the beatitude, the word beatitude, meaning a state of utmost bliss, but I have on every episode talked about how uh, thinking as a kid that it was the beatitudes, the (laughs) the attitudes that we should be, the attitudes that we should have. Um, And so each of these has a specific quality of a blessed person and a reward or a promise for embracing this quality. So we have talked about the poor in spirit. We have talked about those who mourn. And this week we're talking about the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, I always remember this beatitude from, you know, early on in my faith journey, because that word meek, that's probably the word in this whole passage that is the most unfamiliar to us as 21st century Christians, right? Meek is not a word we use a lot in our everyday vernacular. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do. But for me, I don't use the word meek very often. And I remember even being a teenager and going like, I don't even really know what that word means. Uh, So I want to teach a little bit about meekness because I think even if you know what it means and even if you run to the dictionary and read what it means, it doesn't necessarily capture the full meaning of what Christ was saying when he used this word, when he used this word meek. So meek, if you go to the dictionary, meek says that it means essentially quiet, gentle, and here's the kicker, submissive, right? This is a word that, uh, you know, they talk about, it's kind of used in the same as like you would talk about, like if you're talking about inanimate, inanimate, that was hard to say. If you're talking about inanimate objects, you might describe like light or wind or sound as meek, right? So you think about wind. Wind is a great one, right? Wind can be meek. You can just kind of have a gentle breeze. It's quiet. It's gentle. It's meek, right? 
or like light. You could have soft lighting. You could have a meek sound. Just you know, I I sit. Uh, if you if you don't know where my office is at the church, um, I am the actually the only person in our church with an exterior door uh, attached to my office. So I can actually just go straight outside from my office. Uh, and if I go out that door, I'm in a little prayer garden at our church that's right next to the chapel. And because I have an exterior door and because it's a very old door and it doesn't have a great seal on it, I hear a lot of noise. I hear a lot of sounds throughout the day. Sometimes it's traffic or construction noise, but a lot of times it's just like, even as I'm sitting here right now, I'm hearing the creak of the iron gate out there. I hear birds chirping. I hear little, uh, there's a couple chipmunks that live outside. Uh, I hear them rustling around. And my favorite thing I like to hear is when the kids at the day school here, sometimes they walk them through that garden and they're giggling and laughing and singing and chanting. But I would describe the sounds I get to hear throughout the day for the most part. Let's scratch off the traffic and the sirens and the construction noise. But for the most part, you know, the sounds I get to hear are very meek sounds. They're they're gentle. They're quiet. They're they're uplifting in a lot of ways to me, right? So that's that's one way you uh, can use meek. And meek typically, this word, this word that's used here, this Greek word in scripture when it's used in other places, it's typically almost always used in relation of uh, inter interrelational, right? Man to man, right? Like person to person. So like you would have a meek relationship with another person. So you might be quiet or gentle in your relationship with someone or even submissive, right? In a relationship with someone. But here, when we look at the Beatitudes, right? Remember what we talked about the Beatitudes. This is Jesus describing the ideal characteristics of a disciple, and if we look at the two we've already looked at, right, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, we talked about this on both episodes, that these descriptors are about our relationship with God. And as we go through the rest of these, you're going to see that as a common theme here. This is, again, characteristics of a disciple, so it's describing our relationship to God. So what does it mean to be meek in relationship with God? Well, I was reading a little bit of a commentary on a on this this verse, and I, I just want to straight quote this because I thought it was so good. This is how they describe meekness in this sense, this biblical meekness, this beatitude meekness. It's the attitude of the soul toward another when that other is in a state of activity towards it. That's a really like legalese type description. Let me read that again. The attitude of the soul. So your soul, right? The attitude of your soul towards another, towards God, when that other, when God is in a state of activity towards it. So when God is doing something in relation in our relationship with him, it's the attitude of our heart towards him in that in that moment, right? So here's a couple of here's a couple of descriptions I've come up with, right? And these aren't necessarily just about God, but I think these are parallels for our relationship with God, right? So think about the heart, uh, the attitude of your soul of a disciple to a teacher when the teacher is teaching. So think about it this way. Have you ever learned a skill? Have you ever tried to teach yourself something? Um, well, I guess not teach yourself. Have you ever tried to learn? Have you ever learned something from somebody else, right? I think about when I learned uh, to play guitar. I mostly self-taught myself to play guitar, but at the very beginning, I went and took uh, about two months of guitar lessons, right? And I remember taking my guitar and sitting in front of this 
this teacher, right? A guitar teacher. He was a, a longtime guitar player and he was able to teach me. So as a disciple of that teacher, while I am, while he is in an activity towards me, while he is teaching, he's the teacher, he's teaching me to play guitar. My attitude towards him at that moment, right? The way that I'm very attentively trying to pay attention. This is something that I want to know. I want to learn it. So I've got to pay critical attention to him, right? So, and it could be anything. It'd be anything you've ever, like, I, school is the obvious answer, but I know people have varying degrees of investment and interest in school throughout their life. Um, but just think about anything, any kind of hobby, any kind of something that you've picked up, right? Whether it's it's knitting or art or uh, music or any kind of activity or hobby that you've picked up. And even if you're watching on YouTube, right? Even if you're learning how to do something on YouTube, I can't tell you the amount of household projects or fixes or things like that I've learned from watching YouTube videos. But when you're watching something to really learn, you're so intently focused, right? That's this kind of biblical meekness. Let's be attitude meekness. Okay. That's one example. Now think about this next example, the attitude of a child towards a parent when that parent is exercising parental authority, right? So I'm a son. So, uh, so the attitude of a son towards a father, let's say, or a mother, um, when that when that parent is exercising parental authority. So I've done something wrong, and my mother or father is exercising parental authority, right? So that could be in a disciplinary way, right? Imagine what my heart's going to feel in that moment. Or, right, as I got older, and as it was less of me living under the household with my parents, but we we shifted that relationship from parent child to more more friends and peers as i got older the the relationship of parental authority looked like advice right so when my mom or dad would give me a piece of advice because of their wisdom and their years of living and things that they had experienced that i hadn't done right i remember when i bought my first house here in greenville and i found two houses i really liked and i had my mom come down she drove down from tennessee the next day to come look at these houses with me and help me make a decision um, and the one house that I liked the most, you know, I walked in, they had slapped some fresh paint on it. It was cute. It was quaint. It was downtown. I really liked it. And my mom came after having owned a couple of different houses throughout her life, walked around and she goes, well, you know, that roof's in really rough shape. It's going to need to be replaced. And this lot, like, yeah, it's, it's a good size, but you're going to have problems here with some flooding. And this is going to be kind of a mess. I don't think you're going to love this. And she walked around the inside and said, you know, I see what you like about it, but I think you're not seeing the things you don't know to look for. In contrast to that, we go to the other house, the house that I liked, but I was less sure of. We couldn't even get in it to look at it because the, the, the agent wouldn't let us in. Um, but we walked around the outside and my mom looked and peeked through the windows and she goes, you know what? Even though I can't see in this house, this is really, this is really a great house. And I think this would, you'd be you'd be crazy to pass this one up. And so that's the one I wound up buying, right? And so again, taking the attitude towards my mom in that moment as she's dispensing advice, right? Being meek and being humble and and submissive in a way, right? Understanding like my mom, I'm submitting to the fact that my mom knows better than I know with this kind of thing, right? So disciple to a teacher when they're teaching, son to a father or a child to a parent when they're exercising parental authority, and then this last one, right? Servant to a master when giving orders, right? This is kind of the extreme example, but even think about like an employee to a boss, right? When you're, when you're at work, when you're doing your job and your boss comes and says, Hey, 
here's this thing I need you to do, right? You're, you're likely going to submit to that authority. That's what you signed on for. And even if it's not in your quote unquote job description, you always have that la- that little that little bullet point on the bottom. Other duties as assigned, right? <laughs> so you can always kind of you can always kind of uh, squeeze that in there and say, well, you know, this might not be exactly in your in what you think you're supposed to do, but this is what you this is what we need you to do right now. Um, and so, you know, all three of those examples, it's again this attitude of the soul towards another when that other is in a state of activity towards it. This is meekness. This is this beatitude meekness, right? This this quiet and gentle and submission, but in a way of our hearts towards God. So what does it say? Blessed are the meek for what? For they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. So let's think about this for a minute. The earth is being offered as an inheritance, right? As a gift from God. But what does that practically look like? Well, I think about someone who embodies meekness and the influence that the earthly influence that someone with that quality, with this meekness would convey. And that's going to be more than like, what's the opposite of meekness, right? I read a lot of like Plato and Aristotle have these kind of theories of what what meekness is, and they always use it in in contrast to you know basically aggressiveness or impulsiveness or passion, like like unhinged passion, right? So the influence of someone meek, right? I think we think of meekness, and it's easy to think of that as like meekness equals weakness. <laughs> quote that. Don't put that on a t-shirt, right? Because I don't think that's true. Meekness does not equal weakness. But you think about the the people who typically have kind of a quiet, gentle, and submissive demeanor aren't always the people who are out front, right? However, think about the leadership qualities of someone like that. The influence of someone who embodies that kind of meekness, right? That kind of that kind of understanding and pursuit of being in the right place, especially in our relationship to God versus someone who's impulsive and passionate. Yeah, they might be loud and boisterous, but people who are impulsive make bad decisions all the time. Right? And it's, it's the old adage of like the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Like, yeah, sometimes they might hit really big and when they hit big, you're going to hear about it. Uh, but they also are going to miss as much as they, they're, they're going to miss as much as they hit. Right. Whereas like sometimes the quiet people, those are the ones that are super smart. They're the ones that are super successful because they're just doing it. They're just pushing on and living their life and doing what they know they need to do. They know when to keep their mouth shut. They know when to speak up, right? And their influence carries weight because when they speak up, you know that it's important, right? When people aren't just talking all the time and loud and impulsive and passionate, when they actually, when someone who's more quiet and meek actually steps uh, steps forward and speaks with some authority and speaks and says, Hey, this is the thing that I think we need to do. People listen a lot more because you go, man, this is really, this is out of character for them. So it must be important. Right. And then I think about this, the other thing about inheriting the earth, right? These people have maximum true joy in all the conditions of life. Right. I think when you're less, (laughs) when you are, when you live the impulsive, passionate life, you tend to uh, live and die by your decisions, right? When things are going well, they're going real well. And then when things are going bad, they're going real bad. That's just the, uh, that's just the lifestyle of, of that passionate, 
energy, right? And I've got a little bit of that in me, so I get that. But then I think about people who are more meek, who are more subdued, who are gentler and quieter. They're going to have ebbs and flows too, but they're not going to be so extreme, right? And so when things are when things dip and when things aren't going as smoothly in their life as they want to, because of this meekness and because of this recognition of their the attitude of their soul towards God, they're able to sustain their joy in the midst of the low points, right? Because they understand what true joy is. They understand that joy isn't always happiness, but that true joy is something that is more sustaining. So what's the takeaway from here? Well, I think for me, this is one of the more challenging Beatitudes because like I said, I I tend to be uh, maybe closer to that impulsive, passionate side than I am to the meek side at times. Um, and so I, I think the big challenge for all of us is it's the old saying, you have two ears and one mouth, so you got to listen twice as much as you talk, right? I think listening is a skill that I really would love to continue to hone in my life. I think I've gotten better at it over the years, but I have a long way to go. I would love to listen, be a better listener. I would also love to be a lot more gentle and kind um, when it comes to just my immediate gut punch reactions, right? And you would say like, well, you can't control the way you feel. You can't control your immediate internal reactions. And maybe there's some truth to that, but I think you can hone it, right? The the closer you're walking with God, the more you're pursuing him, the the sanctification, if you will, right? The, the very Wesleyan idea of becoming more like Christ each and every day. I think the closer you get to Jesus, the the slower you are to to speak, right? Be slow to speak and slow to become angry, right? It's a biblical mentality. And so that's the challenges for me. I think it's a challenge for you as well. Hey, thanks so much for joining us this week on this episode of the podcast. I hope you will join us next week when we talk about hunger and thirst for righteousness. But until then, grace and peace to you all.